please be seated. It's good to be here again and um, thank you. Let's put our hands together for the worship team. That was great. Really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. How about I pray and uh, we will get into it. Most gracious Father, again, we thank you that we have the opportunity, that we are blessed to be able to come together, to gather, to connect uh, through socially and fellowship and uh, with friends and maybe some new people we have just met today. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for the ability to sing. And Lord, when we come to sing and worship, it's, it's actually for you, but it probably does more for us, Lord. It, it soothes our souls, it brings encouragement, uh, all those things. So thank you for that, Father. Lord, and we pray now as we come to look at your word, uh, that your spirit would just open our minds and hearts, that your spirit... Uh, would just yes yeah, settle our minds, settle our uh, whatever we uh, have been thinking about. Again, I don't know what type of week we've had, Lord, but uh, that we'd be able to stop and uh, really focus and, and, and listen to what you have to share with us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The young adults, no, sorry, not the young adults, the youth, soon to be young adults, are going to head out up to the shed. We've got a great program for them as well. Also, let's, I want to, Jason, where's Jason? He's, he's done a lot of work with that uh, youth and young adults planning. Wasn't it great? I thought it was excellent. And uh, we're going to see, let's give Jason a bit of a clap as well. Um, if you think you can serve in that area, uh, please be praying about it. If, and if you think that's something you sh- can do, please have a chat to Jason. We've got a lot of feedback coming through these speakers here. Am I just going to have to put up with that? That's fine. I will. That's all right. That's okay. I thought it was rubbing on my hairy chest and no. Let me start. I don't know if you've experienced this. Maybe you have. Uh, a few months ago, my, my father-in-law, who's a great guy, and uh, was at his house and he was wandering around, looking around, stumbling around for about 10, 15 minutes, looking for something. And eventually, well, what are you looking for, Poppy? What are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my glasses. Uh, and, and he kept looking and uh, he actually had them on his head. Have you ever done that? Hands up if you've ever done that when you're looking for something or your glasses and you had them on the head. I remember I actually did it with the remote control to the television, Foxtel, real important stuff this is. And I I was getting frustrated because I wanted to change the channel, getting angry, yelling at the kids, throwing the dog, trying to find the uh, remote control and it was actually in my pocket. Um, It's funny how sometimes when we're looking for things, it's literally right under our nose. it's frustrating, isn't it? You look everywhere and actually it's right there. This morning, we, we, we continue our series, The Encounters with Jesus, and we're actually going to see that it's not a remote control, it's not a pair of glasses, it's actually something way more serious. Uh, it's the Messiah, it's, it's Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and he's right under the Pharisees' nose, yet they are so hardened, they refuse to see it. They refuse to find it. They refuse to say that Jesus is the, the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, I don't know if you've had a good week in regards to, remember, we've been praying a little bit about, or we started last week, that we would have encounters with Jesus. And I really want us to pray that over this series because sometimes we come and we listen and we hear about how Jesus had encountered with these, these people 2,000 years ago and that is good and proper and we should do that and we should learn from that. But actually, we want to have encounters with Jesus daily. That we should be having daily encounters with Jesus in our day-to-day life. 
we have an encounter with Jesus when maybe you, you become a Christian, your first point of becoming a Christian. I, I remember when I became a Christian in, in my bedroom and I said yes to Jesus at the age of 18, that was an encounter with Jesus. Maybe you've experienced that or, or maybe you had more of a gradual process. But actually our, our, our encounter or our faith should only, it should not just be one encounter where we become a Christian and that's it. If our only story we, t- we have to tell is our testimony of becoming a Christian, then God is probably not moving or working in your life because you're not looking for Him. Jesus wants to work with you and, and work amongst you and work through you and I want to encourage us to look and pray to have encounters with Jesus. Amen? Let's get into the, the story. This morning we're going to be looking from John chapter 9 and this is again another great story, another great encounter. Last week we had the one where the guy came through the roof, the paralyzed man came through the roof. This week it's a guy who was born blind. Now just for the context, right before chapter 9, again we read that Jesus is under attack. He's very popular, people are flocking to hear him preach and teach and see his miracles but we read just before chapter 9 that he was in the temple again and the Pharisees didn't like what he had said basically he claimed to be God and it said that the the Pharisees picked up stones to do what to throw at Jesus to stone him to to murder him basically to kill him imagine being stoned to death as in like with rocks as in you're on the ground and 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 people just threw rocks at you until you died that would be excruciating pain and that's what these people wanted to do to Jesus there and then they wanted to throw rocks at Jesus to the point where he died but we read that he slipped away and they didn't get to him now does Jesus go and hide in a, a room somewhere and doesn't come out into the crucifixion? No, he continues his mission. He continues to do what God has called him to do. And so this is where we pick it up. He's actually in Jerusalem when this actually happens. Verse, uh, chapter uh, 9, verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man uh, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. So Jesus is again, he's out and about, he's walking with his disciples. There's a man who was born blind. How do they know that he was born blind? Maybe they've had a conversation with him, probably more likely he's actually confessing that, that I've been born blind, please give me some, some, some money, some food, I'm born blind. So they know that he was born blind. And the disciples say to Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, why, why was this man born blind? Was it him who sinned, which probably would have been pretty hard to do unless he did it in the womb. Um, Or was it his parents that sinned that caused him to be born blind? The first little thing I noticed there is the disciples aren't actually concerned with the fact that he's blind. They're not concerned to actually help him. Uh, What can we give him, Jesus? Can we give him some money? Can we give him some food? Can we help this guy? The concern is actually what caused him? Why is What sin caused him? His or his parents now we touched on this uh, a little bit last week in regards to this aspect of of Jewish thought and processing in that time that that there's a link between sin and suffering there's a link between sin and affliction that if you're sick or if you're suffering if you're afflicted a Jewish thought was that you had sinned if you were sick if you were suffering if you were afflicted Jewish thought that you had sinned 
or actually it might have been your parents that had sinned, a kind of generational sin. The reason why you're suffering, the reason why you're sick is because either you sinned or your parents had sinned. There was a penalty for sinning and that penalty was sickness and suffering. And, and the worse that you were sick or the worse that you were suffering, the worse uh, you must have sinned. So if you sin really, really bad, then something really, really bad will, will happen to you or you must be really, really, really sick. Now this again is probably not, we, we, we can pick on the Pharisees, but actually you look at any kind of religious framework, there is a sense that we think like that in a simplistic way, that if we do good, God what? Blesses. If we behave, God blesses us. If we aren't behaved or if we sin, then God punishes us. I want to suggest to you this morning that that is actually a very simplistic and actually probably lazy theology when it comes to suffering. Now, there is a, there is a truth that even the, the Word of God says that you, if you sow, you will what? Reap. So you reap what you sow. So there are consequences to the way we choose to live our life even physical consequences as in, as in some sickness. If we smoke every day, if we drink every day, there's a good chance that we might, probably won't be very healthy. So there's all those aspects that where we sow stuff, then we will reap stuff. There's also, the Bible actually does talk that when we sometimes, when we do sin, that God actually might not like it and, then, and it will bring affliction and it will bring suffering. But, the, but to say that all sickness and all suffering is because you are sinning is incorrect. It's probably uh, lazy theology of suffering. I, I remember, I don't know if I shared this story with you, I had a lady at my previous church in her 80s who had cancer and uh, it was progressing really fast and um, incredible lady, very strong faith. Uh, her family though had, uh, were part of a church, were, were part of the Words of Faith movement not, not going to judge, judge them, but they basically, if you say it, if you claim it, if you have enough faith, then it will happen. And so if you say you are going to be better, it will happen if you have enough faith. Now, the issue with this lady, once she was in her 80s and she had a severe cancer, does it mean God couldn't heal her? No, God could choose to heal her, but he wasn't. And, and so to her family members, it was because she didn't have enough what? faith she wasn't faithful she had sin and they kept saying you need to stop you need to you need to confess this sin you need to have more faith now this poor lady went to her grave thinking that she didn't have enough faith and that she had all this sin see that's that's not that's not a biblical account or understanding of suffering because ultimately guess what we all what we all suffer and we all die if jesus or god healed every single time we just keep on living even Lazarus, who when, when the, the King James Version said that he stinketh in the, in the tomb, in the grave, and Jesus rose him from the dead, he eventually what? Died. Why does Jesus heal, uh, God heal sometimes and others? I, I don't know. That's a mystery. Uh, that's as theologically as I'm going to get with that. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Our responsibility is to just pray as he will and, and, and pray his will. But I don't want us to get caught in this, this aspect that all suffering is because you have sinned or you've done something wrong. Now at a big picture level, at a meta level, sin entered uh, the world, because uh, suffering entered the world because of sin. 
If we go right back to the start of the story, we know that, that, that God comes and he creates and it was good and it was good, it was good. That Adam and Eve, they dropped the ball, they turned their back on God. Sin comes into the world and now we are sinners, but there is suffering. There is racism. There is wars. There's, there's, there's rape and, and all that horrible, horrible stuff. There is sickness. There is cancers and all this stuff that is bad and there's suffering in the world ultimately because there is sin. However, however, the Bible refuses to, that, 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 that principle applies to every individual case. Does that make sense? Sin has produced suffering in the world, yes, but individual personal suffering is not always attributed to personal sin. And the, 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 the disciples here, that's their understanding. Who sinned? The man or his parents? And sometimes we, we want to know who, who, who sinned or we want to know why that person is suffering because we need something to blame, don't we? If I, can, if I can pin the reason or I can find the... I can then blame, I can blame, I'm suffering because of God and, and so I can blame God. And that's not unique to even the disciples, that's humanity. You look at Hinduism, the, the Hindu faith, they believe in what? Karma. That's kind of what that... Karma is this, if I do good things, then the next life I'll be... Re, uh, what's the word? Not regenerated. Reincarnated to something better. So if I'm really good this life, I'll be reincarnated next life to Carlton with these biceps. I'll be bigger and stronger. But if I'm bad, I'll, I'll drop back a level and I'll be a, an ant. Shorter, even shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that if it's good you get this if it's bad it's that a buddhism buddhism has this this concept that that suffering is actually not even real that it's an illusion imagine having imagine uh, i don't want to pick on other faith systems but imagine believing that suffering isn't real tell someone who is um going through a divorce that this isn't real or tell someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer it's not real it's all an illusion rubbish it's real hands up if you think it's real it's real islam actually views suffering as a test from god that when you suffer god is testing you he wants you to endure and he will either reward you or punish you depending on how you you go through the test i don't know if that's a god i want to serve secularism says that suffering is an accident that actually just bad luck too bad too sad put a helmet on when you go for a ride you know eat, eat the right food or, or get out life insurance just reduce the risk as much as you possibly can so you won't suffer as much atheism is very similar to that in the sense of you know what you're born and then you die and that's it if you suffer too bad christianity is different the message of christianity is different the message of christianity says yes there is suffering Suffering is real. Suffering is ultimately a cause of sin that even as Christians we can suffer. In fact, the Bible doesn't promise that if we're a Christian we won't suffer. The Bible says, yeah, actually you will. There will be affliction. But the Christian message is actually there is a hope that is greater than our suffering. Now, in the, in the heat of the battle, that just might sound like very cliche. Oh, that's great. Hope. It's greater than my suffering. But God promises to journey with you. God promises to walk alongside, even though I walk through the valley of death, I fear not, for you are with me. And I know 
and even kind of what Jason said about a deep faith. I've seen faith, uh, I've seen suffering produce uh, incredible faith and I've seen suffering actually destroy faith as well. How do we respond? But Christian messages, there is hope because God comes to restore everything. Look at this quote here. Uh, by a commentator, Korsenberger. He says, the application, he's referring to this incident, the application is evident. We may not always know the reason for someone's suffering and in the end, this is not what is most important. Rather than wasting time by trying to figure out the root cause of suffering in a given instance, so if there's a, if there's a systemic issue in a community, it's not referring to that, uh, the important thing is to maintain a humble, repentant attitude and like Jesus, to see instances of suffering around us as opportunities to work uh, for the work of God to be displayed in people's and or our lives. So our, our, our job isn't to judge, oh, that person's suffering because of, you know, he wastes his money or he's a drug addict. Our, our response is to help, is to help. Let's keep reading. And Jesus says basically what we just referred to. He says it a little bit quicker than me. He says in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now Jesus isn't saying that he was born blind just so for this miracle. He's saying that in this, guess what? God is going to be glorified. When we see people that are suffering or going through a hard time, our response should be the same. We're going to help. We're going to help because we want to see God glorified through this. In verse 4 it says, As long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I want you to remember that. I am the light of the world. Jesus says light. What does light bring? Light allows you to what? See. There's so many kind of word phrases here and, and Jesus is playing on words because he's about to heal someone who can't see. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know what I find interesting is the guy's not deaf. So he's, he's standing here. He would be hearing them, I'm assuming, because you get really good hearing if you're blind. And he's like, what are, they, are they talking about me? You know, like, what's, what's going on? They could hear Jesus. Jesus is there. He's making noises. He's thinking, come on, just have some money, you know, or, or, or some food or something. And they're having this theological discussion, just heal me. And then all of a sudden, look at Jesus' response. Having said this, he spit on the ground. Now remember, he is blind, not deaf. What noise does it make when someone spits? <laughs> Having said this, he spit on the ground, starts making this little mud patty with the saliva. Is he going to put that on my face? What's he going to do? You know, this guy's blind, he can't see it, but he can hear the spit. Spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And again, he's blind, but he can hear, he can feel. I'd love to know. Now, we don't know why Jesus spat into the ground. Some say that, that it's to link with Genesis, that we come from the ground, the dirt. Or, or some say that there's some medicinal pers- pers- uh, things from s- saliva. 
Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> the doctor Caleb's like, no. Um, maybe if you've had garlic or something, or turmeric or, or something. Um, but anyway, the Jesus, what, for whatever reason, spits um, into the ground, makes mud and puts it on this guy's eyes. Now, we need to appreciate this, that this guy, and, and then he tells him to do what? There's a, there's a step of faith. Last, last week, the story he came, we saw the faith first. And then we saw him heal. So Jesus now with this guy, he, he spits and muds, puts it on his eyes. But there needs to be a step of faith. What is the step of faith? He has to go to where? The pool to wash this off. With what on his face? Spit and mud. And he's blind. And so he's walking to the pool with mud and spit on his face. I don't know how far the pool is. People in his way, but that's a step of faith. He is demonstrating faith by the very fact that he is obedient to Jesus. Close your eyes for a second. It's all right, I'm not going to spit on them. (laughs) Close your eyes, just close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to be born blind. Well, you, you can't imagine what it's like to be born blind. But even with your eyes closed, now try to think tying up your shoelaces or even, you know, trying to eat trying to watch TV, <laughs> trying to drive. No, don't, don't imagine driving. It'd be so hard, wouldn't it? Open your eyes. We, don't, we, we can't even imagine what it would be like. This guy has never seen. So as soon as it says that, he, that he's washed his face, and then boom, he can see. He'd be like, whoa. He'd just be like looking everywhere, soaking. And he wouldn't know what things are, probably, because he wouldn't know what red was or what yellow was or what, what anything was, but he'd be taking it in, I'm assuming. And so he has seen this. Uh, years ago, Siobhan and I went on a Filipino a mission trip when we built some churches over there. And we arrived at this town really late at night and it was dark and got off the, the little jeepney and uh, some of the p- families there had to stay in tents because me and Siobhan were newly weds, they, they found a house for us to stay in with a family. And so we're walking through the jungle um, and I was like carrying my M16. And that's what it felt like. It was just like dark. There was no one there. And, and we finally find this little house, this little ha- hut that we got to stay in. And, and uh, we went to bed. It was great. The family was so, showed so much hospitality. But I remember waking up the next morning when it was light, five o'clock, in the morning they get up early and going outside and there was people everywhere there was shops and house and like we'd walked through all of this I hadn't seen anything I thought we were in the middle of the jungle there was a mechanic there was all this stuff when I when the light was there I was like whoa there was about 48 dogs there was there was just everything that that in the darkness I couldn't see but when my when it was light I could see this guy, for the first time, can see, and he is over the moon. Here's my first little point here. Uh, sometimes following Jesus is going to make us look different and stand out, isn't it? Sometimes Jesus is going to uh, put some mud and spit on your face. He wants you to stand out. Uh, sometimes obeying Jesus means he may ask us not may actually, he will ask us to do things that are, are countercultural, that, that are gonna look, may look silly. Now, I'm not, you're th- don't just think that we have to walk around with mud on our face, but, but countercultural might be loving someone who's unlovable. 
Countercultural might be um, you've got a boss who's just rude, but you show them grace and forgiveness. Countercultural, whatever it is, that if we actually apply the teachings of Jesus in our day-to-day lives, that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like mud and spit on our face. That's what it will look like, mud and spit on our face, when we apply the teachings of Jesus. And, and Jesus wants us to. He says, go to the pool, walk around with it. Walk around with this stuff on your face, let people see it. Uh, do you think he looks stupid? I reckon he looks stupid. It doesn't say that people say anything, but I reckon he looks stupid. Our job is to be obedient to Jesus. Our job is to uh, live our lives in a way that is obedient to him. It may look silly, may look funny, may even feel funny. Sometimes it's even, you know, some, I don't know if any of you struggle to say that, that you go to a church. Sometimes your work colleagues might say, what are you doing on the weekend? And you say, I go to church. You might, you, might be, you might be anxious even to say that because you might think it looks like big mud patty on your face. Next time someone asks you what you do on the weekend, say you're going to church. Sometimes Jesus asks us to look silly. When God called me to go to Bible college, man, I felt like I had, not just on my eyes, like I felt like a big goober on my head, mud pouring down. I did not want to go. I felt like mud and spit on my eyes. There was a time, um, there's been numerous times where when I've been in, in, in relational, just, you know, connecting with people where God has taught kind of laid in my heart to share or ask to, to pray for someone or to pray for them in the moment and I just don't, I'm like, God, it's mud and spit. Really? Do we need to do this now? Um, there's been numerous times where that's happened. There was one where I was, it was an Uber driver and um, he, was, uh, he was an Islamic looking guy. I don't want to stereotype, but he was. He was from the Middle East and, and so in my mind, I'm, he's driving and I'm thinking, oh, he's a Muslim. And then God just laid in my heart, Anthony, I want you to start talking to him and I want you to share your testimony with him. And I'm like, no, he's going to give me a one-star rating, you know, or either that or he's going to throw me out and kill me. Anyway, he started opening up a little bit. He gave me, and it wasn't, he, he actually started, he started these spiritual conversations with me because I was off to a pastor's conference he's, and he wanted to know where I was going. I'm like, oh, that's so he can track me down. Um, anyway, we start this conversation and he wasn't even a Muslim. That, so that was a preconceived idea that got pushed and, and I started sharing my testimony with him and uh, how I was raised in a Catholic family and he actually had Catholic roots. See, God knew that the Uber driver I needed that night because I wanted mud on my face was a Catholic guy and he started sharing how he kind of dis- disenfranchised with the Catholic church and that's why I got in the, that Uber that day. And so I shared my testimony and, and he was crying. I'm like, don't cry, you're supposed to be driving. And um, anyway, we keep going and we eventually get to where we were meant to go and, and, and nothing, he didn't become a Christian. I prayed for him, but I reluctantly, reluctantly, I make out like I'm, I was reluctant. I didn't want to do it. I had mud on my face and just, we prayed and, and then he left. Our response is just to be obedient, even if it looks like we got mud on our eyes. And this is what that guy does. What mud and spit is Jesus asking you to wear today? Doesn't it sound great? Is Jesus asking you today to wear mud and spit? In your workplace, 
in your neighborhood, in your church, in your families. Let's keep reading verse 8. So the, the guy can see his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But the, uh, he himself insisted, I'm the man. He's like, I'm the one that was blind. Uh, they didn't know whether it was. Now, whether they were just uh, shocked or amazed or whether they were like, no, it's not contradicting him. None of them seemed overly excited. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. I noticed he didn't say spit. Made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. You know what's cool about this story? The blind man hasn't seen Jesus. He actually hasn't seen Jesus yet. He's heard him, he's got spit on him, but he hasn't seen him. Because when, when Jesus was there, he was blind. So, and I reckon this guy would be looking everywhere as well. They're asking him questions like, just taking things in. Um, they're not excited. They, they, they want to debate him. Lots of questions, isn't there? Keep reading. Look what they did, verse 13. It says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, this was part of the, the custom as well, to have a miracle uh, verified. It would have to go through the Pharisees. Uh, now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Oh, surprise, surprise. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how... He received his sight. The blind guy's just getting grilled. He just wants to go around looking at things, but people just keep asking questions. He put mud in my eyes, a man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees says, this, is, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Some said he was, some said he wasn't. Finally, they turned again to the blind man, what have you uh, to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. They're almost getting mad because he can now see. It's your eyes that he opened. Who is this guy? The man replied, he's a prophet. Still hasn't seen Jesus. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind. So now they don't believe that he was blind. No, he was. And received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So they call for a parent-teacher interview. And then it's, is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he's our son, so they verify. Yep, it's our son, uh, he, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. So now the Pharisees have nowhere to go with the miracle. But how, uh, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age. He will speak for himself. Now, it gives us the reason why they said that. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for already the Jewish, this is the Jewish leaders that is, had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And so basically, if anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ, they'd be excommunicated. So they wouldn't be allowed to go to the temple, they wouldn't be able to do the sacrifices, they wouldn't be able to do the cleansing. In fact, they, would, they probably wouldn't be able to connect with community. You're out, you're on your own. That is why the, the parents said he's of age. Ask him. Second time they summoned the man who uh, had been blind. Give glory to God, that's the saying to say. T tell the truth. The guy replies again. 
Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing, and now you you see the tone of this guy, the blind guy starting to get a little bit ticked off, is the original Greek. He's starting to, he's starting like, come on guys. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You cannot argue with testimony, can you? Well, it's, you can, but it's very hard to argue with someone's testimony. I was blind, and now I see. Your testimony is one of the most powerful tools when it comes to sharing the gospel, to living the gospel. Now, when I say testimony, it doesn't have to be your, your conversion testimony. It's your day-to-day encounters with Jesus. I've had this. I experienced. God did this. When I prayed, I felt this. And so we want to be having those encounters with Jesus because, you know what, he says, I, was, I don't know the answers to your stupid questions. I'm getting sick of the debating and the philosophizing, all that kind of rubbish. Guess what, though? I never used to be able to see. Oh, check that out. He would have said, oh, but now I can see. I'm over it. The power of your testimony. And this is what we're starting to see here. Look at the next slide with, in regards to... Um, unbelief unbelief seeks alternative explanations to visible miracles and I'll have a little bit of sympathy here for the Pharisees it's pretty unusual isn't it that someone who was blind can now see so I think it's a normal response to say no that didn't happen you weren't even born blind it was on a Sabbath he's a sinner or we'll ask your parents if they can they want a reason why he wasn't healed but unbelief seeks alternative explanations to visible miracles. This was a mi- ha- Not only does unbelief do that, unbelief also seeks uh, alternative explanations to explain who Jesus is. He's a prophet. He's a sinner. He's not the Son of God. They refuse to believe. Um, now, this is the thing. Jesus, Jesus clearly said, and this might sound a little bit intolerant, but these, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So any unbelief uh, that seeks alternative explanations to explain who Jesus is, is not going to get you there. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. So if you say that Jesus is, is not the Son of God, is, is not who He said He was, then that is unbelief. So any other faith system that denies who Jesus is, is actually unbelief. We already talked about some of those things last week, didn't we? Talked about how Hinduism sees that he's, he's, you know, he's a he's a teacher or, or or one guy. Well, that's unbelief. How Buddhism says that he's he's an enlightened leader. Well, that's actually unbelief. That Islam actually refers to him not as being God but just a prophet. Well, actually, that's just unbelief. That's an alternative understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus says, "I'm the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life." So any uh, uh, alternative explanation of who Jesus is is actually un belief they refused to believe it's like the captain of the titanic uh, i read somewhere that he he didn't think the ship was sinking until um the water was up to here in the mail room or something like that those guys were still playing this, is that true did that actually happen the, the piano the violin guys were playing until it sunk um but it was sinking the pharisees right under their noses they're not willing to admit that this is jesus and so we're starting to see something really important here. Let's look at the player. We've got someone who was blind who can now what? 
see. Someone who is physically blind now physically see. We've got people who are physically can see, but they are blind, spiritual blind, spiritual blindness. Let's keep reading and finish this story up. 26, then they asked him, hey, gosh, it's going nonstop. Uh, what, did he, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I don't know what, how many times I've asked now. He's answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. So now he's really pushing back. You do, uh, um, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they held insults at him and said, you are the fellow's disciples. We are the disciples of Moses. We know uh, that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. This is the blind man. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And he was, what he was saying was 100% true. And this is what they replied. They said, you were steeped in sin at birth. They're going back to that what? You were blind because what? Yeah, sin. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Unbelief there, unbelief. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Verse 35. He hasn't seen Jesus yet. He's out looking, taking everything in. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Which is God who would refer to himself as the Son of Man. Who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me so that I may believe in him. I love the way this, the words here of sight. And, uh, Tell me so I may believe him. I haven't seen him, he says. Verse 37 says, Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Look at his response. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus says, uh, last, last week's story, um, there was faith, and he healed the, he, he forgave him of his sins first, remember? And then there was the physical healing of the, the paralyzed. This week, there was the physical healing, and then we see the spiritual, um, it's a little bit different, verse 39. Uh, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see. And those who see will become blind. So the Pharisees can see, but they are blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Yep. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim uh, you can see your guilt remains, we see this beautiful kind of opposite of pictures of though he was blind, he can see. They, they can see but they are blind. Let's wrap it up. There's three real quick ways we can look at spiritual blindness. And I'll let you decide which one you want to go with. The first one is this. Here's a picture of Roy Highway. No, that's not Roy Highway. This was, this was a story in the, in the US, uh, uh, 1991. A fierce winds created this massive d uh, dust storm. 17 people died in this. Dozens were injured. Uh, 50 mile hour winds um, and there was, there was hundreds, over 150 vehicles 
were involved in this incident. And, and basically what they kept, kept happening is they kept crashing into the back because they couldn't what? They couldn't see. There was this, des- this, this storm. Uh, they probably should have slowed down, I would have thought. Um, but obviously no one thought of that. So, so they kept slamming into the back of the car. Now, you can look at spiritual blindness like this. That there is this storm that we can't see. They're on this road. And unless we can see, we're going to slam into the back of the car. Jesus actually says that there's two ways to, to heaven. There's a wide road that leads to what? Destructions, but there's a narrow road that leads to life. I think there is some truth in looking at spiritual blindness like this. That some people don't care. That some people think that they're just living for the here and now. And actually, living for the here and now, having an attitude, actually, if you do, that does lead to this, this destruction. That's first one. The other one is to look at spiritual blindness like this. Let's see who's colorblind. <laughs> Can anyone see that? 24? Oh, 45. We could look at spiritual blindness like this. If you are colorblind, if you're colorblind, can you see the numbers? Sometimes. Yeah. Well, the doctor, oh, gee, sermon.com's oh, getting me in trouble again. No, but with, with colour blindness, you can still see the tree, you can still see the flower, but what can't you see? You can't see the colour or the richness of it. So you, you can get along, you can survive and you can see things, but you're missing something, aren't you? You're missing, I don't know if you've seen on uh, YouTube or whatever, there's these special glasses, some, some colour blindness glasses, not for every type of colour blindness, and when, and when they put them on for the first time, and they see different colours, and they're like, whoa, they're blown away. So spiritual blindness can be like this. They actually don't know what you're missing out on. You're going through life, and you can see the things, and you can see maybe God could be working here or there, but you're just kind of spiritually blind to it, and it's a little bit like colour blindness. You don't actually know what you're missing out, the richness of these colours and these different shades, and you're missing out on what could be. And then the third one, I don't have a picture for you, is when you're driving a car, and again, my poor daughter keeps getting dragged into these illustrations because she's an L-plater, and every time she indicates the term, what does she check? She almost gets whiplash because they've been drilled in to look at the what? Blind spot. Is it that way? Yeah, either way. The blind spot. The blind spot. Go look at the blind spot. Now, I don't look at the blind spot because my car has a special thing on the mirror that tells me whether there's someone in the blind spot. So, spiritual blindness can be something more like a blind spot. We're driving through and we, most of us have had a license for more than a week, stop to check, forget. We don't check our blind spot, really, do we? Do we? Okay. Be honest. Come on, please. Am I the only one? You do, Sarah. Oh, far out. But most people don't. Most, well, you do occasionally, but you get my point. Hopefully, it's just a blind spot that we don't. And so spiritual blindness can be like a blind spot. It's there. We can still drive. But if we don't look, we don't deal with it, what does it cause? An accident. 
a freeway 150 car pileup, colour blindness or a blind spot. I just want you to sit for 30 seconds and, and close your eyes and maybe God will lay upon your heart, where, where are you on this pendulum in the sense of spiritual blindness? You may be fine, but is, is, it, is it this road truck leading to destruction? Is it this, oh, I need, I want more, I want more colour? Or is it, yeah, there's probably a few blind spots. Just close your eyes and allow the, the Holy Spirit to kind of talk. I'll ask the team to come up while, while they're doing that. going to read this prayer well it's more of a benediction but it's a prayer as well um, let's read it together and then and then I'll end as in that'll be the end and we'll, we'll continue to worship let's go may God who comes to us world Let's stand and continue to worship.